Good Tuesday and welcome back to the Locked On Buckeyes podcast. I am your show host, Kyle Lamb. Today on Locked On Buckeyes, Ohio State, Michigan, I'm going to do the thing that I hate to do. It's a pet peeve of mine, but I'm going to do it anyway. Where Ohio State can win the game with a high degree of certainty, high degree of confidence if they do this one thing. I'll explain that coming up in a few minutes. In the second segment, Ohio State had a gritty, gutsy performance against Kent State. I know that sounds crazy to talk about a win over a mid-major, but it actually was a pretty remarkable win. I'll explain that in the second segment. And later in the show, I'll preview the college football playoff committee rankings coming out tonight. Why I pretty much believe Ohio State will be number one and how the Buckeyes are actually on the verge of more history, potentially. I'll explain that in the third segment as well. Locked on Buckeyes is brought to you by JFQ Lending. All of your mortgage and refinance needs should be handled by a Buckeye. Licensed in 33 states and more on the way. Check them out at jfqlending.com. The Locked on Buckeyes podcast can be found on all of your favorite podcast platforms. Please check us out. We're on Apple iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, just to name a few, or simply by saying, play the Locked on Buckeyes podcast on your smart speakers. Find me on Twitter at KYLAM8. Find the show at Locked on Buckeye. So I have a pet peeve, and it is one that I feel strongly about. But it also is one I'm about to contradict myself. So if you'll permit me, I'm going to issue a little bit of a qualifier here. I'm going to preface this because I am about to break my own rule and do something that I really hate. I dislike when people boil games down to, well, if Team A does this, they'll win the game. Because in reality, these football games, or any sporting event really, there are so many angles to to who wins or loses. And to be quite honest, being a winner of a game doesn't mean you're a better team. It means you were better on that day. I think we all have a prisoner of the moment attitude with results of sporting events. And we have to remember there's such small sample sizes. You really can't tell a lot about a team off the basis of how they win or lose one single game. So it makes even less sense then to say in a dynamic scenario, well, if team A does this, they'll win, or if they don't do this, they'll lose. That being said, (laughs) there are rare, isolated exceptions to the rule. And I'm about to give you one. Because Ohio State, Michigan, we have built up this narrative in our minds, and we talk about it every single year. We talk about how unpredictable and how complicated the game really is. It seems like, in our minds, we just don't know what's going to happen in any given year. And we have seen a lot of history with Ohio State, Michigan. We've seen the upsets. We've seen the games that nobody saw coming. Nobody saw 62-39 coming last year. Nobody saw Tim Biakabatuka running for 313 yards in 1995 against Ohio State. 
Nobody saw the next year Ohio State taking a spill, literally, Sean Springs, remember the slip. Nobody saw that coming a second year in a row, Ohio State laying an egg in that game in Ohio Stadium. We really have a firm grasp of the unpredictability of this rivalry. But despite the unpredictability, I noticed a trend here. And it seems so simple, it's actually shocking. It, it shocked me. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm trying not to build this up to two high-level expectations and, and have it be a letdown. But to me, this is a surreal stat. So I was looking through some past history, some past results of Ohio State Michigan, and I noticed a clear trend. You, you have heard me this week and in past weeks talk about the Michigan offense, specifically the Michigan run game. I highlighted it on Twitter. I mentioned it on the Monday Locked on Buckeyes. If there is a blemish with Michigan, and I think there are more than one, but I think the one that stands out is the lack of consistent run game. Wouldn't you agree? Because the pass game under Shea Patterson has gotten better throughout the year. He's throwing fewer interceptions, making fewer mistakes. His arm strength has improved. I I believe that's due to health. He did have a bum shoulder, and I don't think he does anymore. Michigan still does not have dynamic receivers. They don't have the Alabama playmakers, the guys that that take it to the house off 80 yards, you know, on a short slant route or a bubble screen or something like that. They just don't have those type of playmakers. But they do have guys that can go get the ball. I I really actually respect their receiving core a lot. Nico Collins is one of the best high-point receivers in the country. He can go up. He's got such great hand-eye coordination, body strength, etc. He can go up and get a ball as good as anybody in college football. Tariq Black is pretty good at that. Ronnie Bell is their underneath guy. Donovan Peoples-Jones hasn't put it all together, but he's talented. But Michigan, although the pass game has gotten better, the run game continues to run in mud. They averaged the last couple of weeks only about three yards a carry against Michigan State and Indiana. Now, those are decent defenses, but Ohio State ran for a gazillion yards against them both. So Michigan's run game has been a struggle. It has been a problem. And this is the area that I have highlighted, that I have pointed out and put an emphasis on this week, why I'm not sitting here telling you to be too worried about this game. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that Michigan can't win or won't win. We have seen stranger things happen before. This is a good Michigan team. You should take them seriously at least. But I'm not trying to concentrate too much on history. And I'm not saying that they can't just because Ohio State has a seven-game win streak or has been so dominant in the last 20 years. But I'm just trying to objectively focus on what this Michigan team is versus what this Ohio State team is. And it was troubling for me if I'm looking at this objectively And analytically, I'm having a hard time seeing Michigan winning in most scenarios. Not all scenarios, but most. And that's simply because of the lack of running game. So I decided to expand on this theory a little bit more. And what I came up with, what I found, was this is really troubling if you're a Michigan fan. Because in this game, the rivalry, the game, 
the team that has rushed for more yards has won the last 18 seasons. 18. The team with more rushing yards in this game has won 18 years in a row. It goes further. The team that has more rushing yards in this game has won 26 out of the last 30 meetings, dating back to 1989. It may be even more of a trend before that, but I I got tired of looking when I got back to 1989. So the team that runs for more yards out of Ohio State-Michigan in this game has won 18 in a row and 26 out of the last 30. So you tell me, friends, I want you to tell me, can you really see a scenario, given the makeup of these two rosters, Michigan's offense, Ohio State's defense primarily, can you see a scenario where Michigan is able to beat Ohio State by dropping back 35, 40, 45 times? Nothing against Shea Patterson or Michigan's offense, pass game specifically, but I'm not sure that's a very realistic scenario. If Michigan is to beat Ohio State, I think it is going to have to come with them doing something that they haven't been doing with any regularity, and that's running the ball. They have had only one game this year over six yards a carry, over 5.9 yards a carry. And I use that number because 5.9 is Ohio State's season average running the ball. So Michigan, in 11 games, has failed to reach Ohio State's season average 10 of the 11 times. So Michigan cannot, or at least has not, run the ball with any regularity or any success. And I don't see that changing, or let me back it up. I don't see them beating Ohio State unless that changes. If they come out and run five yards of hop 40 times for 200 yards against Ohio State, very unlikely, but not impossible. If they do that, there's a really good chance Michigan will win. Especially with what we know now, the past history of this rivalry, the team that wins the run battle basically wins the game. 18 years in a row, 26 out of 30. So if if you're looking at this game objectively, put the past history and your paranoia about what has happened in the past, especially the 90s under Cooper, It's okay to remember those games because it's a good reminder that sometimes the result is not what you expected. Not all of those teams that won the run battle were necessarily the better teams or the better run games. So sometimes that can happen. Michigan can win this battle in the trenches, even though we're not expecting it. It hasn't been the case all year long that they're better, but they can still do that. But for Michigan to win this game, I think that they have to outrush Ohio State. I really do. Because I don't think that they can win with Shea Patterson dropping back 40 times and subjecting him to A, that vicious Ohio State pass rush. Chase Young has a chance of breaking the FBS record, 24 sacks by Terrell Suggs in 02. The actual record, by the way, unofficially is 27 by Derek Thomas of Alabama in 1987. But the NCAA did not start tracking sack statistics until 2000. So the official record for FBS is is 24. Chase Young has 16 and a half right now. He's on pace to potentially break that. He's he's actually right now on pace, I think, to fall just one sack short. But if they win, if they get to the college football playoff and win a game, 
he would actually be on pace to break that record. And he might still do it even without that extra game, even if they don't get that far. That's a possibility. But you don't want Shea Patterson facing Chase Young or, as Joel Klatt would say, Superman and the Avengers. You don't want him facing that pass rush 40 times in a game because you're not just talking about him getting sacked and having so many plays behind the sticks because of the lost yardage. You're looking at the long downs and then trying to throw it against Jeffrey Okuda and Damon Arnett and Sean Wade. Those guys back there are every bit as good as the guys up front. So for Michigan, it's it's double whammy. If you're trying to make a game plan out of passing it that many times, you're probably in trouble. So Michigan, why I'm not intimidated by this game is not that I can't recognize Michigan has won in the past when they weren't supposed to. They're, they're capable. They're a good team. They're a top 10 team. It's that Michigan has to run the ball because they're just, there's, I don't see a path being able to throw it 40 times and beating Ohio State. Maybe I could be wrong. It's not that it can't happen, but it's not a very likely scenario. So 18 times in this rivalry, the team that ran the ball for more yards also won the game. I don't like to boil it down to one thing. I hate that. It's a big pet peeve of mine. But oh my goodness, if ever that is a trend, if ever there is a trend, that right there is it. 18 times in a row, 26 out of 30. Crazy stuff. Who wins the game this week, I think, will probably be the team that also runs for more yards. Seems simple, doesn't it? Football is complex, and yet sometimes it's that simple. Coming up, next segment, Ohio State basketball narrowly escapes a comeback upset attempt by Kent State. I'll talk about that. And in the third segment, more football. I'll preview the college football playoff rankings coming up this evening. And also, a bit of history. If Ohio State beats Michigan and wins the Big Ten title, they will have done something that has never been done before in college football history. I'll tell you what that is. Coming up later. I'd like to jump into some college basketball here for a moment, Ohio State specifically, obviously. Uh, and then we'll get back into college football in the third segment. We'll talk a little bit about the committee rankings and also some incredible history, more history. It seems like we're always talking every week about potential history with this Ohio State team. But I have some more unbelievable uh, minutiae to throw at you in the final segment. But real quick, I, I do want to talk about this Ohio State win over Kent State, 71-52. If you only saw the first half or early into the second half, or if you only saw the final score, you, you probably assumed that this was one of your run-of-the-mill games against a sleepy mid-major that's a decent team that could you know, jump up and bite you and, and does bite some teams. We see power conference teams go down to, to the Kent States of the world every season in college basketball. That's really nothing new. If you just saw the score or saw the first half, you probably assumed this was just like any other game. Interestingly, though, it was not. Ohio State got up. They were up 12 at halftime. They built the lead to, I believe, 15 or 17 early in the second half, and it looked like Ohio State was going to cruise. But then a funny thing happened. Kent State started nailing shots. They started playing with a lot of uh, uh, tenacity. They were really an ornery basketball team. And they came crushing, or they came cruising back and actually tied the game with a little over 10 minutes to go. It was 
at that moment in time. Ohio State was in bad shape because Caleb Wesson was in foul trouble. They weren't getting a lot of scoring. Kent State was hitting everything. It was one of those games where there were some scary moments for Buckeye fans. Fortunately, this was played in St. John Arena, so you actually had a true home court advantage as far as the crowd was concerned. Very good crowd. It wasn't a uh, filled place by any stretch of the imagination, but it was a loud crowd. And as we know about St. John Arena, the acoustics are great there. But a great thing happened, I think, for this Ohio State basketball team. First, let me say this. Chris Holtman had been saying Kent State was a really good team the last several days. And sometimes that's a matter of coach speak. We, we know that coaches love to build up the opponent no matter who it is. And Chris Holtman is not, he's guilty of that sometimes as well. It's not that he, he doesn't build up teams. But if you listen to him Friday after the game against Purdue-Fort Wayne, and again on Monday previewing the Kent State game, there was a different vibe, a different feel from Holtman. You could tell he was being sincere. He really respected this Kent State team. After watching them Monday night, I totally get it. I knew that they were a good team, but that team that I watched against Ohio State, who knows if they'll keep this up the rest of the year, but they do have potential to really win a lot of games in the MAC this year. That's a team that could be a Cinderella-type story in the NCAA tournament. They could be a sneaky 12 seed that gets into the tournament and upsets a 5 seed and possibly even get to the Sweet 16. They've got that kind of team. They can shoot it. They've got some depth. They've got some size, athleticism. They've got a little bit of everything you'd want in a basketball team. And I, I give them a lot of credit. Ohio State had a chance to put them away early in the second half, and they couldn't do so, at least not right at first. Kent State makes a run, gets it tied, and then Ohio State, I thought, had one of the most impressive showings that they've had early in this college basketball season because they took the punches from Kent State. They it didn't let them they didn't let them bother Ohio State. The Buckeyes continued to play defense. They amped it up. Kent State scored just four points in the final eleven or twelve minutes of the game. Ohio State went on to win by nineteen. They did so without Caleb Wesson on the floor the entire time. They did so without a go-to scorer. They just continued to play tough defense. They converted on offense. They executed. It's the kind of toughness you like to see from a young team early in the season. I thought this was a great test for Ohio State. It was a test of metal. It was a test of toughness. And it was a test to see how they would do in a January-type feel. The announcers on Big Ten Network kept saying and remarking they felt like it, it, it felt like the game felt like a game in the Big Ten in January. And that was so true. And that's why I thought it was impressive for Ohio State. Huge win. Yes, it is a mid-major. It's just Kent State. This isn't a team that's going to be a top 25 team by any stretch of the imagination. But you have to love the way a young team got tested they got taken to the brink and they were able to make plays and play just unbelievable defense down the stretch. That was a true gutsy, gritty performance by Ohio State. It is going to pay dividends later in the year for having won a game like this. It wouldn't have been the end of the season if they lost, but I think it can only help the Buckeyes going forward. We'll talk more Ohio State basketball 
either later in the week or early next week as we preview the upcoming ACC showdown with North Carolina. But coming up next, we'll get back into the college football playoff committee rankings coming out tonight and the kind of history Ohio State has a chance to set in the next few weeks. I'll tell you about it. Third segment of Lock on Buckeyes. Tonight is the revealing or unveiling, if you will, of the fourth college football playoff committee rankings. If you think back to week number 10, the first rankings that were revealed, Ohio State was number one. Committee chairman Rob Mullins stated Ohio State was equivocally the most balanced, the most well-rounded, and you could infer they are the best team in the country. The very next week, LSU beat Alabama, and because of that being their fourth top 10 win, they were catapulted into number one. And Ohio State, despite the Ole Miss showing by LSU the following week, because they were only playing Rutgers, there was really no reason to push Ohio State into that number one spot yet. But now we, we are staring Ohio State. We are looking at Ohio State in a different light because Ohio State just added a top 10 win against Penn State. If you remember, when Ohio State was ranked number one in the first week, they were put there despite the fact that they had one less win against top 25 competition than did LSU. At the time, LSU had a Texas win that was still hanging in the top 25. LSU fans will remind you it was a top 10 win. I'm sorry, they're 6-5 and five now. We, we should not be calling that a ranked win or a top 10 win. It doesn't matter. They're terrible. But they did also have wins against Auburn and Florida. That was three top 25 wins. They added the fourth to Alabama the next week, but let's slow down on that. At the time, they had three. Ohio State actually only had two. They had Wisconsin, and they had Cincinnati. So despite having one fewer top 25 win, Ohio State was put at the committee, put number one by the committee. It was not until Alabama added another top 10 win against Alabama that they jumped Ohio State. So now we're looking at four ranked wins versus two for Ohio State. We can now say Texas is out of there. Get out of there, Longhorns. You're a bad team. I don't care if you were ranked number 10 at the time in the second week of the season when we didn't have any data. We didn't have any history of these teams to gauge exactly if you were as good as your preseason ranking or not. But we know it now. Texas is not a... Uh, anything to talk about. Let's let's ditch them, okay? So as we are looking at this face, LSU now has three wins against ranked teams. Auburn, Florida, Alabama. Ohio State also has three wins against ranked teams. Penn State, Wisconsin, and Cincinnati. Now, I'm not saying that you should believe Ohio State's three wins are as good as LSU's three wins, but they have evened up things now. When Ohio State opened number one, they had one fewer quality win. Now they have the same number of quality wins, and Ohio State is number one in game control. It's number one in uh, strength of schedule in some measures, depending on which ones you follow. And it has the eye test advantage. Ohio State still has not had a single-digit game all season. I think because of these matters, because of these facts, Ohio State will pass LSU. But let's take it a step further. It might not happen until next week. If it doesn't happen today, it doesn't mean it can't happen next week. Ohio State will have added another top-10 win against Michigan. 
if they win against Michigan, that will be a second straight top 10 win because Michigan is the top 10 in the AP poll. I'm assuming tonight they will also be top 10 in the college football playoff rankings. This week, LSU is playing Texas A&M, a five-loss Texas A&M team. Four-loss, five-loss, I can't remember. That's not going to be anywhere near in the category of beating Michigan on the road in Ann Arbor. So Ohio State will be number one, in my opinion, either this week or next, as long as they win against Michigan. I don't think that LSU will have a chance to pass Ohio State, even if they beat Georgia, because Ohio State then would have a chance to beat either Minnesota or Wisconsin. And Minnesota or Wisconsin would also most likely be ranked in the top 10 when Ohio State beats them. If you're scoring at home, that means Ohio State would have a total of five wins against ranked teams, depending on what Cincinnati does. LSU would also have, LSU would actually have four if you don't include Texas. So Ohio State would have more ranked uh, more ch- wins against ranked teams and they would have three consecutive wins against top 10 teams to finish out the season. Folks, I looked this up. That has never been done. There has never been a team that I could find and maybe I missed it, but I looked hard. I looked all the way back into the early 90s and beyond. But at least in the time that I could find, I have never seen a team that actually had three straight top 10 wins at the time they were played. Now, obviously, none of these three teams that Ohio State would beat would remain in the top 10, but they would all stay top 15, top 20 teams. But Ohio State has a chance to win three consecutive games against AP top 10 teams. So I believe with the five top 25 wins, three straight against top 10 opponents, that Ohio State, if they went out, would be number one in the committee's rankings. And that is a huge thing for Ohio State because the difference between Clemson and any number four team you could possibly find, whether it's Georgia, LSU if they lost, Utah, there's a significant gap. But also... For Ohio State, because of the kryptonite, I think Ohio State's biggest kryptonite right now is that pass protection. Wisconsin and Penn State both exposed it just a little bit. Ohio State has not been very good on first downs. This Clemson team will really get after the quarterback. Other than Ohio State, this Clemson team is probably the best defense in the country and one of the best pass rushers in the country. So Ohio State does not want to get in a situation where it's facing second and long, third and long, Despite how great that third down conversion has been for Ohio State, 58%, number one in the country, best in 10 years in college football, despite how good it is, you don't want to get into those long situations against this Clemson team because they will keep coming. They are relentless with that pressure. I'm not going to go so far to say you should be intimidated by Clemson. I don't think they're world beaters. I think they're really, really good right now, but Ohio State is better. But you still don't want to play Clemson until the absolute last possible moment that you have to. But if Ohio State wins these next two games, they would have beaten three straight top 10 opponents. That has never happened before. I went back 30 years. Only two teams, or I'm sorry, three teams, have beat 
four ranked opponents in a row, that being 2001 Miami, 2016 Alabama, and 1997 Michigan. Those are the only three teams that have beat four ranked teams consecutively. So let's look at this a little bit further. If Ohio State beats Michigan and beats Wisconsin or Minnesota in the Big Ten Championship the week after, they would get to the college football playoff with a chance to win two straight games against top 10 slash top 25 opponents. That means Ohio State has a chance to do something no team has ever done in college football history, and that's beat five straight ranked opponents. And not only that, all five of them would be most likely ranked in the top 10 when Ohio State beat them. So you can give me all you want about you know how many ranked or top 10 teams LSU has defeated this year when they played them. But Ohio State is about to potentially have a chance to take it to a whole other level. It's kind of fitting, isn't it? We've talked so much about this Ohio State team being historically dominant this year and doing stuff that we have never seen, not only in Ohio State history, but doing things we have not seen other college football teams do ever. Ohio State has a chance to truly be regarded as one of the best teams of all time. I hope that doesn't scare you. Don't get paranoid by it. Embrace it. Ohio State has a chance to go out here and make history. I'm not saying that they're going to do that. I'm saying it's in front of them. They have a chance to end the season with three straight top 10 wins and then go into the college football playoff with a chance to add two more top 10 wins. That is incredible, especially for a team that has already proved itself historically dominant. So I think Ohio State, because of this ability to beat three straight top 10 teams, I think that they are going to be number one either in this ranking tonight or at worst case scenario, if they're able to beat Michigan, then they would be put there next week. But I think tonight when you see the rankings, I think it'll be Ohio State number one, LSU number two, Clemson number three, and Georgia number four. Still not buying on Alabama. I don't think Al- I don't think Utah will pass Alabama yet. But I'm not buying them getting in unless a lot of crazy things happen. So interesting stuff. But this Ohio State team, as I said, we're on the brink of potential history here. And I'm not even talking about college football playoff or championship. Just merely beating Michigan and then winning the Big Ten. Three straight wins over top 10 opponents. Never happened that I can tell. I may have missed one. There's been teams with three straight, four straight ranked opponents and winning those games, but I was not able to find a scenario where a team has beat three straight top 10 opponents in consecutive weeks. If you're able to find that, please point it out to me on Twitter at KYLAM8, but I was not able to find an occurrence of it happening, and I looked pretty thoroughly. So interesting stuff, a lot of stuff to talk about in the coming days and weeks. We'll have more Michigan preview the rest of the week. Ohio State basketball back in action on Friday. We'll talk more about that later in the week as well, or maybe we'll recap it next week. Not sure about that just yet. You can find Locked On Buckeyes on your favorite podcasting platform. We're on Apple iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or play Locked On Buckeyes on your smart speakers. 
As I said, hit me up on Twitter at KYLAM8. Catch the show on Twitter at LockedOnBuckeyesSingular. That's going to do it for us. Join us again on Wednesday. Thanks for listening, everybody.